right, we are back. We are back. We are back with Veronica Stone, former volleyball player at Oregon and Skoducks, right? Um, Skoducks, always. And she has been having these phenomenal conversations with former collegiate student athletes who have found success outside of playing. And this one, I thought you, t- I thought you was gonna top it with JJ. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. I was like, okay, JJ Maria. Like, those were going to be the highlights of our season. But then you just, of course, you just had to top that. You had to bring in a three-time pro bowler. Just had to do it. Three-time pro bowler. I don't know. I don't know if, I, I, don't, I just don't know if that's in my network, you know. <laughs> um, but you did it. And you had, a, you had a great conversation with him about his journey and a lot of things that I didn't know. And I... I was a fan of the twins. I'm not going to lie. I thought mm-hmm. it was very interesting <laughs> to have twins in the league. But you learned a lot about him um, that, you know, as a relationship that started out when you were very young, that now you're, like, looking back, like, okay, this guy was really the truth on and off the field. Yeah, exactly. Um, I first met him when I was probably four years old. My first memory of him was when my mom tried to get me to take a picture and I cried and said, no, like I'm not. And that that's my very first memory. And um, then the second time, we probably saw each other before that, but I got to see him this year in his uh, the studio, CBS Sports in New York when I was playing and got to watch him do one of his shows and sat behind the scenes with the producers every time like he forgot a stat or something like someone was in his ear telling him it was really cool to see how it works and I was like there's no way these guys know all these stats like to see the stat guy kind of gave me like a little more closure because I was like there's no way I'd be able to remember all those um yeah he's a great he's a great person super smart um and obviously a great athlete what do you think, you know, when you talked about JJ, you said, if you're coming on here to hear about him playing basketball, you can have two seats. So I, it's the same with Tiki in this conversation. So what do you think people are going to get out of it? He, um, he really puts pride into his academics. He wanted to be an astronaut. He wanted all these different roles for him. And I was like, oh, shame. You're an NFL player instead of an astronaut. Like, oh, that geez. sucks. Right, right, right. <laughs> but he... um. He knew that sports wasn't going to last forever. Right when he started, he had a long career. He played 10 years, all with the Giants. And he said his rookie season, he started trying to get into media. So it's not, he wasn't someone that was just good and then came off the field and had a job. He put in the work as a rookie while he was playing to get some practice behind the mic and in front of a camera. Worked on his confidence because he's an introvert at heart worked on his voice because you have to have a commanding voice when you're talking to a crowd or to a different group of people. So he had to build himself up to be where he is. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Well, tune in to Tiki's conversation with Ronica. It's a great one. And I think this is a halfway point. There's more to go. So make sure that you come back for more and listen to the rest of Ronica's conversation. Hello. Hello, Ronica. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. You know, before I want to even ask you something, I just want to let you know, I feel like you and your brother missed out on a great 
business opportunity. I I just thought of this. You guys should have had your own show and called it the Barbershop. I know you guys are both bald, but like the Barbershop is a place where you guys go and talk about sports. And that could have been a show for you guys. So back in 2002 or so, after I was dabbling in media for a couple of years, mm-hmm. Sirius, uh, before it was Sirius XM, but Sirius Radio asked me and my twin to do a show in the off season. And it was called The Barbershop. So we actually did do it on radio. <laughs> no way! 17 years ago. It only lasted a couple of seasons before um, we got too busy with kids and everything else and being grown up. I'm, I'm so shocked. That's crazy. I thought I was <laughs> Man, I thought I was really thinking outside the box and it's already been done before. It's all good. Well, well, you guys could do it again, but okay. We should bring it. It was fun. You guys should. So in your time as a student athlete, you came to Virginia, you were on an academic scholarship, which I feel like a lot of people don't Um, know. I could have gone to UVA on an academic scholarship because I was valedictorian of my high school. But I actually did go on an athletic scholarship. Ew, they're going to have to change your wiki page then. Wiki page is horrible. You know, it used to have me. <laughs> my, my real name is a team Kiambu Barber. For yeah. about eight years, it had my name is like a team, uh, you know, some Middle Eastern name, uh, something else, Barber. <laughs> and it, it took forever for me to get it changed. I don't think it got changed until I came to work at CBS. Um, <laughs> Their PR people got on it and changed it because it, it was it's always wrong. <laughs> well, they, you, well, my mother, one of your close friends, said that you told RJ you were on an academic scholarship. So. I, was just, I was just trying to get RJ when he was a little kid to, you know, care about academics. That was oh, so all. You lied. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but you broke. I don't know if this is true or not. Did you break the long jump record on your first attempt? My very first attempt in college, uh, I broke the long jump record for UVA track and field. Me and Rondé were, well, we were good football, <laughs> but we really wanted to be Olympians. Um, oh. I, I was a jumper. Rondé was a national champion in the indoor 55-meter hurdles. And uh, track and field was our first passion. Um, we actually went to UVA because we, they were going to allow us to do both. A lot of schools weren't going to allow us to play football and run track. And UVA mm-hmm. said, you do both. Um, so I did it for a year, broke my jump, broke the record, <laughs> and started getting strong. Because to be a running back in college, you, I mean, 175 pounds, I wasn't going to last. Yeah, that's like me right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I put on about 20 pounds, and I couldn't jump anymore. Uh, so I had to stop. I still worked out with the track team, and so I stayed fast. But um, I couldn't jump like I used to. Wow, what a shame. I know. <laughs> But in your time as an athlete, like obviously academics was a really big part. You could have been an academic, been on an academic scholarship. But doing everything that you did and playing at such a high level, how were you able to juggle being a student and being an athlete at the same time? It was very hard, and you know this as well, Veronica. Being an athlete, and I mean, you're you're more famous than I was in in college. <laughs> your internationalization of your volleyball career. Um, but- it's it's being put on a schedule as an athlete helped me be uh, put myself on a schedule as a student. Um, and I was, I want to say I was lucky because I had some really good mentors at UVA that were on the football team. One of them, uh, one of our linebackers, and uh, he was a, I mean, he's a genius. He made a 4-0, Tom Burns was his name, 
think he now works down in North Carolina or South Carolina at some nuclear whatever. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> cool. But he was a great example to follow on how to manage your time to get things done. I actually followed him into the engineering school, but that's when I fell in, with, in love with computers and ultimately transitioned out of the e-school and into the business school and studied management information systems and database design. And uh, I got in the business school a little bit easier because at UVA, business school was project-based. So it wasn't like, you know, go do this assignment and turn it in tomorrow. It was, you have three weeks to work on this project as a team and you'll all turn it in together or present together. And so mm -hmm. it was a little bit easier, um, even though it was hard work, it was a little bit easier because it wasn't as, as structured. It wasn't as concrete. Of a, of a due date so it worked it worked perfectly with my athletic schedule as well yeah you don't seem like the common football player all these classes don't sound like anything my friends have taken or are thinking about taking i, can help it. I love c plus plus i love you know cobalt you know i wanted to be an astronaut when i grew up see i have a nasa shirt on <laughs> this, this was my dream when i when i was in high school yeah uh, i just became an nfl player instead that's tragic football guy. <laughs> Yeah. But what resources were you able to use at your school that so, helped you be successful? Yeah, we had a lot of great tutors um, with, within, our, uh, within our athletic department who, if you needed help, they would find time to, to study with you. But I also had a lot of great friends that weren't athletes. You know, they were, they were the academics, so to speak, <laughs> at UVA. And, um, you know, whenever I had problems or issues, I would go to them. And in fact, one jumps to mind, uh, his name was uh, Steve, uh, Steve or, Lo I can't remember his first name, because his last name was Losa, right? Okay. <laughs> track with me, not even play football, but he ran track with me. And back then the internet was brand new. So it was just launched, program <laughs> HTML, which is the code behind the, the websites. I had no idea how to do it, but I had to do it for a project. And so he sat down with me in a computer lab I mean, probably five or six nights in a row uh, till two or three in the morning, just teaching me how to code. Um, and so <laughs> part of it was, you know, uh, you know, the resources with the within the athletic department. But a lot of it was just friends who took an interest um, in having, you know, having me learn. It was great. Yeah. And you just from you talking about a little bit who you are, wanting to be an astronaut, wanting to be an Olympian. <laughs> You were the 36th overall pick in the NFL draft, and you played your whole career with the New York Giants. But, I mean, I feel like you've been thinking of life outside of athletics for quite some time. But when could you pick a moment where you're just like, football's not going to last forever. Let me start thinking about something else. Yeah, happened as a rookie. So when you, <laughs> I think your dad was there when I was a rookie. Um, maybe it was my second year. But anyways, your dad was blocking for me at that point. And <laughs> I wasn't very good, to be honest with you. Um, I got hurt early. My my knees were a little bit compromised. I'd lost a step or so. And I'm only 22 years old at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I knew that football would not be, or it, it potentially would not be my future. And so I started doing media. Um, WFAN, which is a local radio station in New York, had, uh, had me on a uh, overnight gig. So I was working from 10 o'clock at night till two in the morning during my off seasons, just to learn, right? Just to try something new. I mean, if I failed at it, who cares? It was 10 o'clock at night to two in the morning. Who the hell was listening, right? <laughs> and so, but I found I loved to talk. 
um, and I love to interact with people and have conversations and connect. And it, it just started to grow. So I did WFEN one off season. The next off season, WCBS asked me to do, uh, which was the TV side of it, asked me to do a, a hit in the mornings. And a couple years later, we I get good and we go to the Super Bowl. And so here I ah. am as a as, as a athlete, but kind of a media member. And I did video blog of our Super Bowl trip. And it was a big hit. And it kind of just launched me in this parallel career as I got better as an athlete, um, uh, as a football Giants. And then went to the Yes Network. Eventually I was working at Fox News. And by the time I retired, uh, it, was, it was kind of like a bidding war for me to do media. <laughs> How did this happen? Um, but it, it launched me into what I'm doing now. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they're under the perception that because you're good at football, then obviously anyone's going to want you. But I don't think it just takes being a great athlete to be yeah. on TV. What did it take for you to secure all of those roles? So a lot of what made me successful as a football player, it was preparation, it was understanding what my role was going to be. A lot of humility as well, because um, it's you, you can think you know it all, but you really don't know anything. No matter how long yeah. you're in, you can always learn. And so the same things, you know, I'll go back to what, what I was alluding to at the University of Virginia, my friends helping me out and, you know, showing me a little bit of the ropes. I still remember my first team when I did TV. It was Todd McDermott, who's down in, um, who's down in Florida now, and Cindy Shue. They were the anchors when I was doing sports on TV. And we became really good friends. They would help me grow. I mean, first time I was holding the bike, scared is was all uh, delivering the news um, and, and eventually you just get calm um, you learn from your mistake you, you keep I think the biggest thing I learned Veronica are never going to be perfect mm -hmm. and sometimes you, you question them but if you're not ready to take them then there's a good chance it might not come and so I've yeah. never whenever an opportunity comes my way even if it's better to fail I don't say no uh, to it and, and and some good th good things have happened because of that yeah i've i think that's the best advice i've gotten from multiple people it's just like say yes always yeah. say yes i'm like i'm tired but okay i'll say yes like i'll keep saying yes and it i mean it got me here that's right but you've not only been on tv for sports you were covering hard news in politics yeah. at one point you're on food network you were on project <laughs> runway as a guest judge you're a marathon runner you're part of different businesses and oh yeah you made a broadway debut last yeah. year yeah why yeah. is it so important for you to you know vendor off into multiple careers yeah, again it, again it's opportunity but you know, when I was early in my uh, media career, the one I was telling you about, I knew that I wanted to to do it, but I wasn't good at it. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know how to hold myself and project and 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 throw throw my voice out. And so I took an acting class with uh, with this with this woman who who taught kids like like five to twelve year old kids. She taught <laughs> acting classes with these little kids just so I can learn how to project. But if she said, you know, you're getting pretty good at this. I'm going to produce a, a play. It's an off, off, off Broadway play, but I'm going to produce a play and I want you to play a role of the character named Duke. 
The play was by John Patrick Shanley. Most people know him from Moonstruck. Uh, it was called Women of Manhattan. And so it was me and this girl on a date. I'm smoking a pipe and we're just, we're talking back and forth. And this is, it's this evolution of this kind of seduction. And we're having this conversation. And, um, and I loved it. I, I, I reveled in being on stage. But I started to get really good at football. And so this, this little thing that I explored kind of fell off because football became so prominent in my life. And then last year, I got an offer to do a walk-on role for Kinky Boots. And a walk-on role, you just come on for a day, you learn this thing, and, you, and you, you do it for a day, and that's it. But they ultimately had one of their main characters going to take a hiatus because he was going to work on another play for about seven, six or seven weeks. And they asked me, well, would you like this part? I'm like, man, that's, 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 that's daunting. It's really daunting because it was one of the major roles. It's actually the thesis of the film, or of, the, of, the, of the production, a guy who changes his mind about someone he doesn't know. And so I spent five weeks. I, I said, yes, obviously. I spent five weeks learning it, um, rehearsed in the mornings, then did my show in the afternoons. I mean, I, I didn't sleep for like three weeks. But then my debut came and I was so nervous. I mean, more nervous than anything I've ever done in my life. My first game with, with at UVA, my first game with the Giants. This was mm -hmm. the most nervous I'd ever been in my life. But I got through it. And then every day it just started getting a little bit easier and easier and easier. Ultimately, I did it for six and a half weeks, almost seven weeks. And it was one of the great experiences of my life. Um, and for those who don't know the, what, the, what the story is, uh, a, a, a shoemaker is losing business. He goes to London. He meets a drag queen uh, who, who tells him, you should make kinky boots for men who dress like women in, in the shop. And I'm the antagonist. I'm the one that's saying, no, we don't want we don't want to make kinky boots. We don't want, you know, drag queens here. You know, no, 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 no. But eventually I changed my mind. Um, and I, it's just a moving story about love and acceptance. And of the 60 something performances I did every night, I knew that the entire audience would be standing on their feet, cheering and singing these songs uh, that we that we sung. It, it was so moving. It was so emotional. For, wow. for so I, would, I did not expect um, <laughs> that part of your Broadway career. <laughs> but when you, were, when you were a student athlete, and even when you're in the NFL, what was the hardest part for you separating your athlete identity into I'm a professional blank blank cause, because you've been so many things? Yeah, you know, it's really <laughs> interesting, Veronica. I, don't, I, I think a lot of athletes aren't comfortable being famous. So they are they're taught and, they're, and, they're, and they learn how to be great at a skill um, and how to, you know, catch a football or spike a volleyball or dunk a basketball, whatever it may be. But social and interactive skills, networking skills, they're not necessarily taught. And so when you finally hit that stage, like you're at the pinnacle, it's, it's almost uncomfortable, if, if you know what I mean. And now some people mask it by being some people mask it by always being on their phone. You see people all the time, they go somewhere, they always have their phone. It's like they're crying, right? Yeah. And I, I think it was probably my second year at, uh, at the Giants that I, I learned to accept it, right? I learned to accept that people wanted my attention. Like they wanted to engage with me. 
And instead of being shy, because I was, I'm naturally shy, I'm an introvert, even though I, I, I have an extroverted personality from with what I do professionally. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned to accept it and just and stand up to it and, and absorb it. And, it. and it became it became me, right. And, you know, I'm still I still want to sit in the corner and read a book and do all those other things. But I but you learn to accept who you are, or at least you learn to accept how people see you, which mm -hmm. makes you to be yourself. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I love the attention, so <laughs> can't relate. Yeah, no. <laughs> but who for you? <laughs> that's from your mom and dad. Yeah, one hundred percent. More of my mom than my dad. <laughs> yes. But who for you is someone that you can look to as a mentor and that has helped you within your broadcasting yeah. career? Um. Well, you know, honestly, you know who used to tell me the absolute truth was my twin. You brought him up earlier, Rondé. Yeah. Uh, so when I first started at NBC, this is after I retired from the NFL. I, I'm working at NBC on the Today Show. And I'm doing stories, and it's you know, it's a lot of it's not sports. And uh, the first thing they asked me to do was go meet with a voice coach. And this guy had a British accent, and um, he's like, you have to pronounce these words certain ways. You have to have this in, in, in you know, and uh, intent when you speak. And and I was like, all right, I'll try it. And so I did a couple of stories. My brother would call like immediately. He'd call me. He'd be like, dude, you sound like a whatever. <laughs> like you sound like a jerk. Stop talking like that. Just be normal. Um, but he helped me like 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 keep it real, so to speak. Because yeah. at the end of the day you can't fake it. You know what I mean? Like people will see through it. You got to be yourself. And uh, I think it was some of the great advice I got from someone I really trusted who was kind of an extension of me. Yeah. We're going to open it up for questions. Oh, that one. Well, someone asked if you guys have a telepathic connection. <laughs> oh, but, oh. Sometimes I think we do. I think, like, <laughs> These not, questions have nothing real. to do with what I want. Yeah, if you had to do, if you had to take away three things from your student athlete experience that current student athletes can yeah. Yeah, learn from, what would it be? The three most important things. Um, well, I won't espouse this for everyone, but this really worked for me. If you can stay at school, and don't go home. I mean, visit home, but force yourself into being independent uh, because it gets really easy when you go home to not want to, to, it's hard to transition back. Mm -hmm. And so from the moment me and Rondé left Roanoke, Virginia to go to Charlottesville, we never lived at home again. So we would go home we'd stay to go see my mom, we'd stay for a few days, but we didn't live there. We didn't go stay at home for a month or two months uh, in, the, in the summers or the off seasons. And what that forced us to do was to, was to grow um, and to learn independence. More importantly, it allowed us to take uh, classes over the summer. And those classes over the summer are often really small um, and they are, they're, they're, you, can, you can dig and learn so much about yourself and what you ultimately want to study. That's how I made the transition out of the engineering school into, into the business school. Um, again, I wanted to be an astronaut, so I was, yeah. I was going to get an degree. Right? And then one summer, I took a, a programming class, and it was like writing English. It was like writing 
the dog jumped over the fence and you know went to the went to the the, the park right and instead it was you know all of this 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 computer data um uh, or 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 computer language machine language that just made perfect sense to me and if i hadn't stayed that summer i don't know if i would have i mean i might have happened upon it but maybe not right i, I found my passion by having some independence but also not the typical mass you know higher education experience like like what happens during the, during the regular semesters this one this is by kareen what advantages of being a student athlete do you think has helped your career after playing i think being balanced um, um and understanding priorities was probably the biggest one um you know i was i was forced and I think it's probably different for uh, for you or, or or Olympic sports, but we were forced to take our classes at a specific time every day because mm -hmm. we had practice at three thirty and whatever it may be. If we had a lab, we had to find a way to either put it at the back end of the, of, of our day, which was you know hard because you're exhausted after practice, or do them early in the morning. And um, I think. It, the, my student athlete experience taught me balance, like how to prioritize. And just to keep it real, it also told me how to taught me how to scramble, right? I got I've, I got really good in college of of like quickly processing and writing information and learning it, which really helped me when I got to the NFL because things change quickly. Like you go, you're playing the Eagles one weekend and this is your game plan. But next weekend you're playing, you know, the, the Los Angeles Rams or at the time it was the, the St. Louis Rams and their scheme is completely different. So you have, you have to learn quickly and differently um, in order to be uh, effective. And so I think having to do that in college uh, helped me once I got to the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, we've reached, let me see if there's another good question for, what? Let's see. What's your no? <laughs> no. Like I'm reading these. I'm like, nah. <laughs> what? Wait. I feel like this is good, but I'm not sure. So we're just gonna put it on the screen. <laughs> Any advice to working with pro athletes? I find it hard to know when to be persistent with adding value to their careers and. and there's not enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it says. Um, so I think like working with professional athletes is, is often difficult because there, is, there are a lot of um, barriers. There's a lot of filters to actually get to them. And there's often a, a wall. Like they don't, they don't, there's not trust. It's not inherent trust of everybody. Mm -hmm. And so it gets sometimes difficult to work with, with athletes. And so the only way to, her, to his or her question, to get an athlete's trust is to be persistent, but not to ask for anything. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a fine line, but until you can, in, when you find that balance, you'll know it. And you'll start getting interactions with athletes that, and they know that you're not asking for something. And then from there, you, you can work collaboratively, but it's really hard because most times they'll push you to someone else. Um, who may not necessarily have the same ideals or um, direction that they have. That's funny, like how people have to talk about athletes because like they're a different breed of people. Well, I mean, it depends. Certain athletes, um, you know, if, if, if it depends on what sports you're talking about as well. Yeah. Like, if you're talking, like the major sports, football or basketball, 
that would apply. And that's my experience. But for others, it's not, you know, it's you, you find a way to connect um, with something that's maybe not what they do all the time. Um, yeah. Find them and connect through that. This is the last one. Could broadcasting use more guys like you? <laughs> um, it's a hard, it's a hard question. You know, when I first started broadcasting, uh, I was unpopular because I, I, used, I just said what I felt um, and what I, what I meant. And I don't, I don't know if it was always received that way. It's, it's evolved a little bit. Um, but I think that broadcasting, especially sports broadcasting, needs former athletes because they give context that's often lost. And there's a perspective that someone who's just watching and hasn't experienced it can't, can't appreciate. You know, it's, just, it's like today on my radio show, we were having a conversation about crowd noise. And we know that because of the coronavirus pandemic that a lot of stadiums are going to be empty. And so if you're the NFL and you're a broadcast team and you're, you're pumping in crowd noise to try to make the consumer at home feel comfortable with the product, it's not, it might not reconcile. Right, because I go back to my playing days and I'm thinking playing in say like Philadelphia, we're backed up on the two yard line and there's cussing and screaming and yelling. There's there's like an anxiety that you feel when that when that happens, right? It's just like it it wells inside of you. Some of it's angry, like you just it just it builds, right? Mm. And a commentator can can speak to that. Now what happens if the commentator is pu they're pumping in noise and the commentator's talking to this, but you as a consumer visually don't see the same thing. Like it's hard to reconcile. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think um, you know, the experience of being able, of having done it before lets me speak more intelligently on some of the issues that, go, that happen around sport. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for coming on. Thanks for saying yes. You're and very welcome. Yeah, and maybe my mom always says you're a stranger. We'll actually we'll, stranger. We'll actually all be able to link up. But thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank and you and good luck to you, Veronica. It's great thank to see you. you. <laughs> Bye.